Well, thank you for joining us this morning, and I pray that you've already been blessed by this service. We know that God is consistently working in us, and he is working to change and to grow us, as we were discovering last week in our sermon. And so today, as we continue to press on into how Jesus changes us, I just pray that our hearts would be open to understand the scope of which Jesus actually wants to come in to your life and to set things according to his kingdom, according to the way that they would be when they are made right. And so this isn't ever about us saying, you know, arbitrarily, you must behave as such. It really is about the God of the universe saying, I know what's best for you. I know what vices you struggle with, which bring you uh, shame and pain and fear and regret and all of these other hard, uh, unhealthy elements that affect our life. You know, God wants what is best for us. And as we continue to go in to how God makes us right, how Jesus changes us and the scope of his call, we really do see the other end. We see the glorious outcome on the other side that says that God is working faithfully. Philippians 1 verse 6, which is not our text today, but it says that I am confident that he who began a good work in you is going to carry it on to completion even until the day of Christ Jesus. And so I want to encourage you with that as we evaluate the changes that the presence of God brings in our life. I want to encourage you that God is not going to give up and neither will we as a community. In the reflection of God's constant grace, we as a community can never give up on another one of us who says that, who says that what that person struggles with disqualifies them. No, when we look to Jesus, he becomes our freedom. And we will never, ever give up. And God just put that on my heart right now as I, was, as I was preparing, just as an introduction, that we will never give up because God doesn't give up. And I want that to be set as our culture, as our determination, as a Christian church. Let me pray for us before we get into the service today. God, I thank you for this sermon series. I thank you that you are asking us to elevate our understanding of your presence I thank you that you are asking us to elevate our value of your scripture, our understanding of the scope of your call. God, I pray that we would elevate all of those things in our life so that we will be changed to become made in the image of Christ. God, I pray that as a Christian church, that we would be truly Christian. That is, little Christs united together. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to work in each one of us. God, open our hearts and our minds to the hearing of your word and to, and to hearing how you want to, uh, to lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been going through this sermon series on preparing for the presence of God, and I've just been loving it, and I hope you have been enjoying it as well. And we talked about freedom. Uh, last week, we talked about freedom from vices, that, that God 
gives you new life so that you will be free of the vices, of the sins that destroy your life and put you down and push you down, that God will set you free from them where you are now called into a new form of ownership where God owns your life. You know, in in cultural Christianity, we tend to maintain the myth that we want the presence of God because what's associated with the presence of God since the Pentecostal renewals and, and the charismatic renewals of the 70s, what's associated with the presence of God is the feeling of the comfort and the love of God, and that is very appropriate. It's a very good thing that God's love pours over us. In the charismatic movement, there's a practice called soaking. It's a spiritual discipline where you allow the love of God to pour over you and to make you whole. And there's such a beautiful element of that. But the, the, the call of God even takes us further than the emotional healing that happens, which is so important. It takes us further into the identity and further into the core of who we are. And that has been so huge. It is every single time God pulls back another layer in your life, another area of vulnerability there's always the, the internal dissonance, the, God, I want you to change me, but I don't want you to take over that. I want you to do something, but I'm afraid you're going to take too much. And we feel this, inti- this, this peace, and so sometimes we push God and the presence of God off a little bit, and we say, I'm going to reserve this core area of my life and hopefully still experience the soaking love of God. And God is merciful, and he never gives up, and so he does pour out his love, but there is so much more that God wants to do in our life. There is so much more where God wants to do deep work in our heart where he changes us at the core and draws us closer to the freedom that we were created for, the freedom of being God's children. And this is beautiful. You know, we really are held captive by what we worship. And that's another element of this that we have to consider. When we think about the freedoms that we have, every single human worships. Every single human has a liturgy that we go through that makes us feel like we're transcending or feel like we're achieving or feel like we're progressing. And we go through these liturgies, the work we do, the habits we have, what we do to escape, how we do it. And we go through these things, and when we find that there are certain things that we are bound by, I used to be bound by an addiction to shop for clothing because it would cover over a feeling of insecurity that I carried. And so I used to be bound by that and I used to have to wear new clothing all the time because it covered over my insecurity. And so, and so we find that, that we are bound by what we worship and we worship what we're bound to. And so the call today is to bind ourselves to Christ so that Christ shines through us in every way so that we participate in his life. And so 
We talk about Jesus as Lord. Jesus as Lord becomes the most fundamental way that our life is changed. Jesus as Lord says that he is the one who we defer to in every way. So let's take a look at what lordship is because it's not really something that we experience in 21st century Canada. There are no lords of the lands. There is, that is old language for us. But what was a responsibility of a lord? See, a lord was one who had the call to provide for the people on his land. Not everybody did everything. And so the people on his land would be the, the people under his dominion, under his control. And the role of a good Lord would be to make sure that everybody had their lot, that nobody was suffering. Why is that important? Well, because if you're, if you're organizing a small city or a small town, as we would call it today, then you need to make sure that, that even the least of these are taken care of because they provide an essential service. It is really interesting, the whole idea of essential service, when, when uh, in COVID, um, Doug Ford said, all businesses have to shut down except for essential services. And the list was so long about what essential services were. And people were like, well, what even has to shut down? And uh, obviously things did shut down. But what was found really, really quickly was that essential services were, um, were very much just all the way through society. They've got to be taken care of. And so the Lord has to provide for all of the people. That's the first role of the Lord. The second role of a Lord is to form an army well enough to protect the people. Because if your, if your little space, your uh, land that you are Lord over is doing well, it becomes attractive for raiders and looters to break in and to steal and to destroy and to take what they can get of your people's hard work. And so your job as a Lord is to protect. It's to set up the boundaries and to say, no, you cannot come in to destroy and to hurt and to harm and to damage. So these are the two functions of a Lord. And in return for lordship, the people, the peasants, would offer, um, would offer allegiance. They would say, you have my pitchfork if you need it to, to defend the land. You have my labor. You have my gratitude. You have a portion of my crops. And so we see this happening all throughout history until, you know, the... the um, until the um, Industrial Rev Revolution, where we see a switch to the urban centers in the world. But this is happening all throughout history. So the lordship language is very relevant for protection and provision. So this is really, really important because Jesus says, I offer a better lordship. We take a look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, and it says, Come to me, all you who are weary. Cast your burdens upon me. Take my yoke 
upon yourself because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he's saying here is he's saying yoke is, is referred to as the type of work that's being done. It's the type of work that's, that's required on behalf of the peasants for the Lord. And Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you because it's easy. My burden, what I demand of you is light. And he's saying, if you're, if you're weary of your overlords, of the ones who control your life, of, your, of the ones who are setting the standards in your life, even if it's yourself, if you're weary of the burden of life, you're weary of the work that you have to do to impress or to, or to satisfy the slave driver that's driving you, Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. I am a better Lord. And Jesus is saying, I am, I am a better Lord in every way. See, Jesus offers eternal provision. Philippians chapter 3 says, My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so we see that God is offering, Jesus offering eternal provision. He is saying that you don't need to worry about today or tomorrow. Take a look at, at Matthew chapter 6. It says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more values than they? Which of you, by being anxious, cannot a single hour to the span of his life. Therefore, verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Jesus is saying, my burden is light. Don't be anxious. God will provide for you. Provision, eternal provision under Jesus' lordship. And eternal protection from the evils that would destroy all humanity. Jesus promises to protect us, to say, no, you are not slave to that any longer. And we talked in depth about that last week. We talked in depth about how Jesus comes and gives us a new identity. And, and he says, you are no longer slave to that. And so we see that Jesus is a better Lord. It's only in Jesus that we experience this type of peace. It's only in Jesus that we can actually experience the trust to say, God, I trust you and Lordship of Jesus for my provision. God, I trust you and the Lordship of Jesus for my protection, because it is only Jesus who has overcome the real enemies and the real evils of the world. It is only in Jesus' death and resurrection that we see that there is hope to, to have victory over the evil in the world, which brings about death, which brings about scarcity. And so it's only in Jesus that we have peace. 
Maslow's hierarchy of needs says that we, can only, uh, that we all need to have security before we can have freedom. And Jesus offers both. He offers that security saying, God has the resources to take care of you. If you pledge your allegiance to him, he can and will take care of you on an eternal scope. Not just about here. Is not life more than just what you eat and what you wear? It's an eternal scope that God says, I've got you and I've overcome the evil one that has been out to destroy you. The call of Jesus is is for us to follow him. Last week I brought up Luke 9.23 and I'll just bring it up again. He said, if anybody would come after me, this is the call. If you come after me, you deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. What a beautiful verse. What a great theme verse for this part of of the, um, of the sermon series. We give up our rights and our authority. We pledge allegiance to God and the Lordship of Jesus because we know that he can be trusted to take care of us. You know, you might be young and think that you have a lot of control of your life. Maybe a lot of us thought that coming into covid And we realized how quickly control of our life and what we do can be taken away. We saw how quickly just things can change. And, you know, I don't say that to make you worry. I say that because when we can trust in God, even the greatest of changes that happen around us are but bumps in the road. Because God has you in his hands. He has you and he will care for you. And he will take you through the crises and the the trial and the shame. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because my God is with me. And so we see this, this peace of like, I can have peace. This element of I can relax a little because my Lord provides and protects. You know, there is something new that happens in us. When we offer that allegiance, a new identity is built in us. Paul calls us citizens of heaven. He also says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you are in Christ, then a new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So the new creation is one that that recognizes the reality and says, I will put my trust in God because God is my source. You know, you're not just called into following Jesus, but you're called into this new creation. And in this new creation, there is no individualization. We don't get to say, I'm just an individual Christian out here on my own, doing my own thing. No, we are called into the body of Christ. We're called in together to make up the people of God who are called by his name. It's not just about you anymore. Look at this. 1 Peter 2 9 says, we are a chosen people. We are a chosen people. One, chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for his own possession that 
you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We've been called into a unit, into a type of standing servicemen and women. We are called into this, and, and we say that we don't stand alone. Well, furthermore, uh, Pastor John a few weeks ago talked about us, about the Trinity being a dance between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and they're working in perfect unity. In John 17, we're not just called into the body of Christ, but the entire body of Christ, that standing unit, is called into participation. In John 17, it's called into participation with the entire Godhead. Not that we become gods, but that we're called into the same type of unity. So we're called into a body of believers. We're called into, you know, this, this larger context. And we see that we have an identity beyond my individual identity. My name is Rob Good. My social insurance number is, I'm not telling you. Come on, seriously. Um, we're called into something more than an identity or a number. We're called into a body, a togetherness, a people united in Jesus because we've pledged our allegiance to him as Lord. See, we're called to be those people. When I was fighting for my own freedoms, I was the center of my universe. I actually had a song that I won't sing, but it was a little camp song that when I was a director at a camp up in, up in uh, Northern Ontario, it was, it was called I Am the Center of the Universe. And it talked about how everything revolves around me and all the people at the camp needed to do what I told them to do because I was the director and it was all a lot of fun. But there was some profound truth in that because at this, before we pledge our allegiance to Jesus as Lord, we are the center of our universe. And it takes Jesus to bring us out of that into a larger identity, which is his body, which is what we gather together with. So when we want the presence of God, when we say, oh God, I want your presence I want to know your love. I want to know you right now. God, will you reveal yourself to me? We need to be prepared because he's not just going to reveal himself to you. He's going to ask for your allegiance. He is a Lord who actually can provide and who actually does protect. He does set us free from the enemies that come against us. And he shows us a new way. When we think about being in the presence of God, we need to respect the invitation. We need to accept that there are no, in, uh, no substitutions. We need to rely on the scriptural stories. And we need to know them. We need to challenge our ideas of freedom. And we need to understand the Lord as provider and we need to become part of this greater community and stay connected to all of those who have pledged allegiance to the same Lord that you have. 
God, I pray that as we step into next week and we start talking about the Holy Spirit and the changes that Holy Spirit brings in his presence, God, I pray that you would prepare us to be a people united, standing together, seeing your work. God, I pray that we would know your presence, that we would, that we would understand what we're asking for when we, when we on a Sunday morning say, let us be aware of your presence, O Lord. God, I pray that we would be a people of integrity that would know you, that would understand your presence, that would submit to you and would be changed for the better. God, I pray a blessing on every single individual in this church, knowing that you have not given up on us, that you are working in us. You are working to free us. You are working to develop us. You are working to provide for us. You are working to protect And all of this in the most eternal sense possible. That no matter what comes, that we know you are there. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.